What's up, everyone? The NBA draft finally is in the books. It went for about three and a half days, and Milwaukee, very late in the piece, got back involved. But we're going to be talking about Marjan Beauchamp, pick 24, and then a bit of Hugo Basson later on in the podcast. Let's get started. Max him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning, fading shot. Up, Monday to Friday. Also find my work at ESPN and alongside me, the founder of brewhoop.com, longtime voice of the podcast, host of many a draft parties, including tonight, Frank Madden. And uh, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen of every day. And I have to say, I, I talked about it all week. The network was planning on doing some live stuff. It, it didn't, there was technical difficulties. And I am pleased to say that it wasn't the fault of Australian Wi-Fi. But we're going to get going here. Uh, we didn't know what was going to happen through this night. And of course, things can change. And maybe they change before uh, some of you people listen to this podcast. But Frank, let's start with pick 24. The Bucks go with Marjan Beauchamp. He went to the G League Ignite. He was the second G League Ignite player taken on the night. And I bring that up because Dyson Daniels, the Australian star, was the first G League Ignite player to be taken. But Marjan Beauchamp, extremely emotional. And let me just say, before we get into any basketball analysis... One of the great stories of the night, one of the more emotional uh, stories of the night. So certainly as far as uh, my heartstrings went, very popular pick. Yeah, I mean, uh, I you know, doing kind of my draft prep, he was one of the guys I actually looked at a, a fair bit and a guy that I actually li- I liked, you know, I s- sort of was more falling on the on the side of like, I, I, you know, I don't didn't have him in kind of the Jalen Williams, like, oh my God, it really be amazing if he was there type guy, but um, I think again, just the two-way profile was really appealing, and you know, in reading about him, um, it it really is just a fascinating story. Especially, you know, the fact that he ends up on the G League Ignite. You know, that's sort of a program that was built for these really highly touted high school guys that you know basically want to kill time for a year, make some money before they go pro, and so, rather than going to college. And he actually doesn't really fit into that mold because. Um, and, and one of the, I think the downsides of him as a prospect is that he is an older prospect. He's 21 turns 22 in October. So again, like he's not, you know, that 19 year old, you know, piece of clay that you're going to be able to mold into whatever. Um, but he obviously, you know, is again, his, his experience playing high level competition is a bit strange because he was a pretty highly touted high school prospect and he was a four-star prospect, top 40 type of guy. But then when COVID strikes, um, he didn't qualify academically to play college as a freshman. He ends up going to San Francisco to train with a trainer down there. I, I mean, a pretty well-known trainer. I guess the guys train Blake Griffin among other NBA players. But basically the idea was like, okay, we're going to train these guys, you know, to be ready for the NBA draft rather than, again, going to college or doing something typical like that. And 
the problem was this is during COVID and in San Francisco, there was no, there were no open gyms. Like they literally like were doing outdoor workouts. They couldn't get into gyms. And eventually he goes back home to Yakima, Washington. And um, Joe Varden had a story in the athletic that's worth reading about his background. But um, you know, he's basically friends with guys that play for the Yakima Valley junior community college. <laughs> He's his mom has known the coach of of Yakima Valley since basically uh, he was a little kid and he ends up just kind of going in and, you know, screwing around, like playing pickup with them and then ends up deciding to play for them. He plays 12 games for them, averages 30 points, 11 rebounds, five assists, shoots 40 percent from three, 77 percent from the foul line, you know, just stuffing the stat sheet has a 50 point game, um, which, you know, yeah, you'd expect the guy <laughs> of his capabilities to mop up. Uh, against community college dudes. Um, I, I will say, though, interesting that his three-point shooting, again, shorter line in college, but interesting that he shot so well, you know, at least in that sample, because that's we'll get to sort of his, his game, but that obviously is, is his biggest question mark. Um, but, uh, but basically kind of like rediscovers his love of the game. You know, he sort of was like rock bottom, you know, when he was not able to play and ends up coming back home to, to Washington. And you know, ends up playing in for, for this random community college or not random to him, but random, obviously, in the grand scheme of basketball prospects and, you know, kind of the draft and things like that. Um, and that leads to him basically, I think Jamal Crawford put in the good word for him. Again, obviously, Jamal, another big Seattle kind of Washington State legend. Um, and Rod Strickland, who's kind of the one of the guys that helps pick the G League night team, ends up kind of watching him, seeing him some doing, doing some workouts and then ends up inviting him to play for the Ignite last year. So a very circuitous path for him. Um, but it, I think it helps paint the picture and, and helps explain why we saw the reaction that we did from him. And again, I mean, you know, you could grow up with a silver spoon in your mouth and have, you know, the easiest journey of all time to the pros. I mean, getting drafted can still be a super emotional thing regardless, but um, but, you know, I think we've just seen multiple things. We, I think the Bucks tweeted a video of him getting a call, mm -hmm. the call live from John Horst or, you know, after the draft with Coach Bud and Milton Newton. And he sounded like he was getting a really emotional again there. And, you know, multiple interviews, you know, this just means so much to him. And I think he's a guy that certainly, you know, a year and a half ago, again, even though he was a guy that probably thought at the end of high school that he was going to be an NBA player, um, was preparing for the 2021 NBA draft. Uh but certainly probably felt like he was a long way from, from that, you know, call it a year or a year and a half ago. So just a cool story. And obviously I think, you know, we see a lot of references in some of the, um, you know, the interviews and uh, Milton Newton made some comments just about kind of what the Bucks liked in him. And again, I think the fact that he's had to work so hard to get to where he is and, you know, we heard, heard the phrase competitive spirit, which is a bud, a coach bud favorite phrase uh, reference by Milton Newton um you know maybe a little bit of a ow, a little bit of a dog in him kane i don't know um i'm thinking of Mitch, our friend mitchell maurer always loves tweeting out the little puppy uh dog uh whenever we talk about you know players being dogs shout out to pj tucker um so yeah i mean i think again just uh, a really cool story and obviously now a story that we all get to root for uh firsthand here now that he's coming to milwaukee and Ultimately, you know, uh, we didn't know what was going to happen with the Bucks. Would they trade up? Would they trade out? Um, I don't think I don't think we thought really thought they were probably going to trade up in the draft. But um, but ultimately, they stay put 
and seems like he was a guy that obviously they really liked and um, certainly a guy, you know, was brought in twice, worked out twice. Um, obviously they were looking closely at him. This was not a left field pick for them as an organization in terms of the work they put in and the due diligence they put in on him. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think again, we, everybody gets really tied to certain players, certain picks, the ideas of certain guys leading up to the draft. And, you know, a year later, we generally forget about all the guys that we were inevitably wrong about. Um, so Again, I think as a fan, you just sort of say, "All right, these are the these are the dudes we got, and let's root for those guys." And um, I think, you know, regardless of what becomes of of Marjan Beauchamp as an NBA player, we'll talk about sort of what kind of guy he might be. But um, he's gonna be a really easy guy to root for, that's for sure. Yeah, and and he was, and we spoke about this before the draft. There was this long list of guys that could have gone anywhere, like fifteen to thirty. Jalen Williams, who was very popular, ended up going number twelve, so not even close to twenty four. We speculated that would be the case he just kept on climbing uh but Bochamp was certainly a guy that we did uh speak about a little bit just before we talk about his actual play this is just a couple of tweets that Eric put up from his uh Eric name excellent uh reporter for the athletic uh milk milk drinker uh, so it's not all positive but he put up these quotes from his post game so he said man I'm so excited uh, playing with one of the greatest to play the game and a great team to learn from them and to learn from uh, Chris Milton or all the vets they have, it's amazing. I just want to point out uh, Buck's Twitter when he said one of the greatest of all time. He wasn't talking about Javon Carter. He was talking about Giannis, Giannis and Chris Middleton. And then he followed it up by saying, man, I'm just blessed to be here and I'm just ready to grow and become a basketball player and just keep working because that's all I do. I work and I can't wait to get to this new city. So good stuff. Again, he was emotional from there. So we'll get into what he does as a player after I talk about Arcade One Up. Uh, we've got big news. The one and only NBA Jam is back. Arcade One Up, the leader in at-home retro arcade games, is not only bringing the best game ever back, but they've made it bigger and better than ever with a Shaq Edition machine. People are obsessed with NBA Jam. I'm kind of one of those people. And in one of the first sports games to ever feature real and digitized NBA licensed teams, there's no fouls, no free throws, and no quarters required. Compete with friends and family through all new Wi-Fi leaderboards making you more connected than ever. Pre-order now at arcade1up.com. That's arcade, the number one, up.com for an estimated early September ship date. They've got other classics there on the website as well. Mortal Kombat, among others, starting at 389 bucks there. So check this out. Uh, the competition they've got, they're giving away an NBA Jam Shack edition to a locked-on listener. Enter for a chance to win a game console for your man cave at arcade one up dot com slash locked on that's arcade the number one up.com slash locked on you've got till july 8 to enter to win the nba jam shack edition console don't miss out enter today and uh, have some fun with the new machine all right frank let's talk about marjan beauchamp the player and you know, we we spoke about the fact that in the modern NBA, you want guys, ideally, as many guys as you can that can play across multiple positions, defend multiple positions. That's kind of his calling card. You read any scouting report, you talk to anyone that's watched him play, they say, "Yeah, this is a guy that's a versatile defender." But he's also, you mentioned it, he's got a bit of a dog. He's got a bit of dog in him. He likes to hit the glass. He's a garbage man. Uh, he's not necessarily a guy that's creating his own shot to a high level yet. He's not necessarily a high level three point shooter yet. Uh, but to me, if you're picking at pick 24, you're always going to have a player that's kind of flawed. 
But I would rather take a guy that puts in the effort on the defensive end, does all the little things, and then you say, okay, well, is there development on the offensive end rather than a guy that can just get you a bucket and doesn't defend? And I said it in our group message. I said he's kind of the anti-Jordan Wara, and that's not even – I like Jordan Wara. But you can see that Jordan – like, if you're thinking about what Mike Budenholzer, who he will play, who he won't play – Jordan Moore hasn't been able to get a look in because of the concerns on the defensive end. And it's not to say that Beauchamp is going to walk straight into the rotation and play, but it's the framework of the type of player that you can understand why the Bucs would have been intrigued and interested by his game. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing we've talked about, Ray, like in terms of skills that are projectable, skills that can develop, um, you know, again, you can't teach six, seven, seven, one wingspan, motor, uh, athleticism, fluidity, you know, the, the kind of physical package, right. You can obviously kind of put guys in the weight room, which is something that he, he did. I mean, he was at, I think 175 coming out of high school has gotten up to 200, 205, something like that. Um, and it's kind of funny when, when I saw his, his weight number after watching some like scouting report videos, I was actually kind of surprised because he plays, I think a little, again, at least in sort of this G league footage, seems like he plays a little stronger and I I think he plays a little more rugged than, you know, that, that weight would, would indicate. So I think obviously, you know, defensively um, he'll have to go through an adjustment, but uh, he certainly looks like a guy that, that should be able to defend twos and threes. Um, You know, does he get strong enough, savvy enough to become, you know, a small ball four type guy that can, that can give you those types of minutes as well. Um, I, I'm sure in certain configurations you can do that, you know, depending on who's in there for the other team. Um, you know, I think his, he's got that kind of wiry frame. He's got that good length. It seems like he has good hands, good anticipation, you know, nearly a block a game. Um, they have, it's kind of weird. I was looking at some of the G league stats, like they have sort of the showcase and they also have exhibition games. And I think, you know, played roughly similar numbers of each You average, I think 0.8 blocks in the one and 1.1 blocks in the other and about a you know one and a half steals in both. So, you know, certainly um, in terms of just like kind of making plays defensively, which again, getting steals isn't necessarily the measure of a good defender or anything like that. Um, but the activity levels, I think, are certainly something that that stand out for him defensively. And, you know, at sort of six, 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 seven, to be blocking nearly a shot a game and, you know, getting steals and again, the kind of offensive rebounding just again, sort of some of the activity level stuff um, is, is obviously welcome. You know, I mean, Dante DiVincenzo, who is obviously a bit shorter and, and smaller than, than him. Uh, obviously I think one of the ways he contributed pretty quickly, even though his, his jump shot was inconsistent was by, you know, being able to sort of make plays, um, with his athleticism. And I think certainly, um, you know, Marjan's a bit bigger projects more as like kind of, you know, like more of a true swingman than, than Dante, who was obviously a bit smaller. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think if you just think in terms of like ways that, that he can impact the game right away, right? Like how does he, how does he get any minutes as a rookie? Right. Um, I think it's going to be tough uh, when, you know, you start off with, with Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton and Giannis eating up, you know, a huge portion of the minutes um, from, from one through four, Um, you know, again, the shooting guard minutes, obviously right now you've got Grayson Allen. We hope to see Wes Matthews back. We'll see what happens with George Hill. He played, you know, a fair bit with, with Drew Holiday as well. And kind of two, two, two guard, guard, uh, configurations. Um, so we'll see kind of where his opportunities are 
Um, certainly at this point, you know, the shooting guard spot um, is probably the, the spot that has the most kind of minutes up for grabs. Um, you know, Pat Connaughton obviously fits in across those two, three slots as well. And we talked about him yesterday and obviously excited to see Pat coming back um, on a team friendly number, at least this year. So again, not a direct kind of path for him. Like obviously like, oh yeah, he'll just take these, you know, 20 minutes a game and, you know, play as a rookie. Um, but again, you never know with injuries. Unfortunately, we found out in the playoffs, you never know when injuries might crop up and, you know, there may be a need to, to have a, you know, again, uh, a guy that kind of get, get a shot. Um, we'll see, we'll see if they give him much run in, with the herd. You know, typically the Bucks haven't really given kind of the, their rookies, um, especially, you know, first round picks. It's been a while since we had one, but um, typically the first round picks haven't really played at all with the G League. Um, you know, like DJ Wilson eventually going down was, was kind of like a, you know, sign of problems, I would say, but, um, but obviously, you know, again, there's at least that option to kind of maybe give him some random run with the herd, but, um, but either way, um, I think the defense is, is going to be at least initially, that's kind of like his floor. It comes from, I think what he can do defensively and then offensively, um, you know, the shooting is obviously the huge swing skill. Um, I think he's really good in transition good cutter, as I said, good offensive rebounder, kind of that garbage man type uh, skill set at the swings at the wings isn't kind of typical, but given the role he's going to play, that actually could be, you know, something that could, you know, be a useful skill set. Um, but again, you know, what will determine whether he can be potentially, I think his upside is as a solid starter, kind of complementary player, role-playing starter. I think that's probably his upside. I think in that scenario is one where, you know, he has to be a guy that, can knock down open threes and, you know, become more consistent on that end. 27% from three and kind of limited action in the G league last year. Obviously that's nothing to write home about. doesn't really get to the foul line much at all. Um, and so I think again, the offense is going to come on kind of being opportunistic, getting out in transition. He's not a guy that you're going to just, you know, give the ball to and let him cook. Right. That's really not his role, but I think to his credit, he's, kind of figured that out. And he's been a guy that, you know, realizes that he's got to go and again, do the little things, kind of make plays off the ball, again, get out in transition and do those things. So, you know, does he solve the Bucks offensive problems that they had in uh, the Celtics series? Well, he, he wouldn't, won't do it next year. And I don't know that he's ever going to be the kind of guy that really solves that for you. But I think the, the thing is the offense shooting to me is the one thing that you kind of can just, kind of gamble with a little bit because again, the physical tools, you can't easily develop that stuff. Um, the motor, you can't just develop that. Uh, but as we've seen a lot of guys who come to the league as maybe not great shooters, again, you just never know what's going to happen. Guys work hard. Some of those guys actually turn out to be pretty good shooters. And, um, you know, I think Bobby Webster, the, uh, Raptors. He's technically the Raptors GM. Obviously, he works under Masai Ujiri. But I think he made a comment the other day, sort of half joking about, you know, what are the what do the Raptors look for? Well, they look at you know defense, versatility, and they don't really worry about shooting, right? That's that's kind of their mo. And you know, they gambled with uh, OG Ananobi, who was not a shooter in in college. Pascal Siakam, who was not a shooter in college. Scotty Barnes was not a shooter in college. Um, I don't think. Marjan Beauchamp is going to become any one of those guys down the road. But I think, again, there's another, you know, th this is not the Bucks kind of going off the reservation, picking a guy who's not a proven shooter. Um, so I think for everybody who's worried that like, oh, well, how can you not put shooters around Giannis? 
you know, again, if you want a well-rounded player at this spot of the draft, you're probably going to have to gamble on something. And to me, I'm, I'm okay with gambling on, you know, a guy maybe having to develop the shooting a bit because, Hey, even if he's not ever going to be a 40% three point shooter, if he can get good enough and be able to do kind of little things, cutting some of that other stuff off the ball, um, then, you know, you can be really valuable. And I think show him, show him footage of Pat Connaughton, right? Pat has done really well kind of figuring out how to do those small things in the Bucks offense and has become a very consistent three point shooter. So, you know, again, if there's an archetype offensively for him to look at, I think Pat's probably a good guy to, to try to model himself after. Honestly, Frank, uh, I think overall, as I summarize everything you just went through, I would have to say it was, it was honestly pretty positive, but you still couldn't help yourself by throwing in the, he might or probably won't ever become anything. You, you just couldn't give us one night. <laughs> just give us one night for the people. Let the people ease into the weekend, feeling good about themselves and, and feeling, and just like just one weekend of thinking that this guy is a future All-NBA player. By the way, uh, you mentioned uh, some of the comments from uh, John Horst and Milt Newton and all those guys. Milt Newton said that he might be the best athlete on the team uh, besides Giannis, which certainly could be possible. But I was imagining Pat Connaughton at home. Just uh, he, He's thinking to himself, oh, what do I have to do to get some respect about my athleticism around this franchise? I've just taken a pay cut, and you're saying that now I'm the third most athletic player on the team. So that was a bit, uh, a bit rough there for Pat. But, yeah, I think, you know, Again, you just sort of mentioned it, but we said with a lot of these guys, like there's going to be something missing from their game and we'll see what they pan out to be. I actually, and this comes, and again, I'm not, I promise you it's not just Australian propaganda. I'm not just trying to talk about Dyson Daniels at every opportunity here, but we, we had him in Australia. And the reason, and I was talking, trying to get information out of him about uh, Jaden Hardy because I thought he was going to be in the range that the Bucks were going to pick. And, and he just continually kept coming back to Marjon Beauchamp about how, uh, strong he is the fact that he does play uh, above his size uh, and he is just naturally a strong guy and it's interesting when you think about the path he's had the last two years to then step into the g league play against men in this sort of new developmental pathway that they've got with the g league ignite i'm i'm i don't know i'm interested to see working out with the bucks in an nba franchise the full-time environment what you know he gets out of that physically as well so yeah, I mean, again, you're working on the percentages, which are based over years and years and years, which makes perfect sense. But you know, as far as guys that were in the range, and I think we were uh, sort of messaging in the DM at the time when it came to pick 24, and we're like, look, it's probably it's probably the guy. I wasn't, you know, EJ Liddell was the other guy, and he ended up going pick 41 or pick 42. Uh, Justin mm. Lewis later in the second round was a guy that we mentioned. He ended up getting picked up on a two-way by the Chicago Bulls. Apologies to Mitchell Maurer. He's crying. Uh, in his living room as we speak right now. Uh, let's talk about the trade the Bucks made after betonline.net, which is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's uh, NHL playoffs. I think that might be one game away from being finished and the Major League Baseball. If you uh, if you want to put some money on an outsider, I can recommend the Oakland Athletics. I think they've won seven out of their last 50 games or something like that. It doesn't seem to be going well for my athletics but bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Uh, and uh, they got podcasts, all types of stuff over there, and different sports as well MMA, boxing, and golf. You've got the NBA championship odds for next year. I mentioned that the Bucks still are eight to one there, uh, probably four to one now after this the uh, pickup of Bochamp. Uh, head to the Hugo Basson oh, is really really oh, swinging it, right? Besson. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. That's Bet Online, where the game starts.
Uh, Frank, so this one, I was just getting a little sleepy on the couch, had the feet up. You were saying, should we start the podcast? And then the then the notification came through. The Bucks picked up the last pick, which I would like to say is, is just the middle finger to the league. You said, you want to take away our pick, which would have been 58, 59, or 60? Well, cop this. We're trading back in. <laughs> and they did. It was the Pacers pick, the last pick in the draft, and they picked up Hugo Basson, the French sharpshooter, who actually played for the New Zealand Breakers in the NBL, so I covered him all season. Uh, and... Uh, this is, uh, you know, it's interesting that they traded back in. We spoke about the roster spots uh, that they had and what they're going to do. It doesn't mean that Bassan is even going to be with the team when the season starts. I know on the broadcast they mentioned that you know, maybe he would play overseas. We'll see uh, how this plays out here. But it's at least interesting that the Bucks, uh picked up another late selection. We know last year they made the trade for two late selections. They picked up uh, Kalatakis, which, you know, he didn't last too long with the team there, which we thought might have been a bit of a favor. But Hugo Bassan. Um, is a guy uh, that has legitimate skill. Do you have any any thoughts about the the process of the trade? I'm not expecting you to have done a full Hugo Basson scouting report. No, I mean, I I saw you know just reading about the draft in particular. I saw you know some of the people I, I read, let's just say, were very skeptical of him as an NBA player. Um, so probably fitting that he would go uh, 58. Um, and you know, you mentioned the. Uh, the uh, me, you know, throwing the, the cold bucket of ice water on uh, on a, an otherwise night filled of hopes and dreams. Um, I, I just brought up the uh, the chart that our so I I asked uh, our friends Seth Partnow and Eric Name if if they still had this chart which Seth had put together that shows kind of like historical draft outcomes by by uh, by draft position and. It's a pretty sobering reminder of just how hard it is. There's literally no out. need for this. If you want to waste another <laughs> four minutes talking about this dumbass chart, then go ahead. But. Well, the fifty pl- guys picked fifty plus are like you know ninety percent bust, five percent just a guy, uh, and a tiny, tiny fraction become a higher rotation or top starter. Um, twenty to twenty. I'll throw this on just for the twenty to twenty five range. Um, about thirty five percent maybe um, bust. Uh, 30% just a guy, and then uh, looks like eh, maybe 10 to 15% become high rotation, and uh, maybe 10% become what we call that they call a top starter, and few per- few few percent borderline all star. So I mean, it, you know, you you can find great players in that range, right? I think again, it's the you know, do you take the Dumb and Dumber um, sort of you know, so you're telling me there's a chance uh, glasses, you know, one quarter, one eighth full uh, view of that, or, or do you kind of focus on the negative? Um, I like to just think of it, you know, the past decade, the Bucks have gotten, uh, gotten a lot of those busts and just a guys out of the way. So now they're kind of due, right? <laughs> for, for finding guys that can be uh, high rotation or, or top starters. Um, so, but anyway, yeah, just, just again, to calibrate, um, and not so much, uh, you don't even have to look at it through the lens of, you know, the bucks, what the, what's gonna happen to the bucks guys, but that's just, you know, the reality of how hard it is for, for all these other guys, right? If you had like 10 guys in the second round that you loved and you can't believe that the bucks didn't pick them, you know, odds are they're going to suck. So, um, so anyway, uh, Kane, that's the, that's the end of my, my mean spirited dream crushing for the night. Um, but I think as far as Hugo Basson goes, yeah, um, 
I mean, I hope we see him in Vegas for summer league. Always fun to see kind of like, you know, offensive guards in Vegas since those guys often, you know, can kind of do what they want and have a chance to obviously get a lot, a lot of shots up. Um, you know, physical profile, obviously nothing to write home about. What is he, 6'3", 6'4", something like that. Mm-hmm. Not athletic, um, but just kind of a wily skill guy. Um, certainly the, the, you know, very fluid shooting stroke. Shooting numbers were really not great, though. Three-point numbers were pretty poor, but I think you mentioned before we came on that, you know, it didn't really have much uh, kind of around him. So, um, so yeah, we'll see. Very, you know, I have no expectations that he uh, that he ever becomes anything for the Bucks, but um, I think I mean the speculation. I think you know, on the one hand, we talked the other day about how there's really not much room on the Bucks roster um, in terms of you know the roster math, right? Like they really don't need two rookies this year. Um, so I was I was a bit surprised when they we kind of heard the news that they were going to be trading into that that last pick, and so I think the immediate the immediate assumption was either they are popping up there to pick a guy that they can roster for the rookie minimum, which has a lower cap number um, by I think like probably seven or $800,000 than if they sign a veteran to fill that spot. Um, but they really don't need another rookie to kind of, you know, fill out the roster. So I don't know. I'm curious. I'm definitely curious to see kind of what, what they do with him and you know if he does come over if he doesn't come over certainly the bucks have not been a team that has been like big on stashing guys right i mean like Khalid Zakis clearly was not you know a guy that you'd say oh look, that guy needs to come over to the nba right away um but i think they paid you know a buyout a small buyout in order to get him over to milwaukee and um you know ended up obviously waving him a couple months into the season so um so we'll see but you know hey um happy to be proven wrong and uh, would be great if we could get uh, maybe some fun games in Las Vegas with uh, Hugo and Marjan uh, doing some doing some stuff in uh, in summer league. Yeah, I don't know what he projects to be NBA wise. Defensively was the problems, but he was playing in a team that had basically no veterans. They were stuck in Australia. They didn't even go to New Zealand. He he got signed by New Zealand and he never went to New Zealand because they were stuck in Australia for the whole season. So every game was a road game. So it was just a really few few things few things i can imagine being worse than than being stuck in australia for a whole basketball season so well you say that but i went to this guy's hotel room to do a a big feature for the jump we did a big video feature and let's just say i would have thought they would have been staying somewhere nicer than they were staying that's uh that's that's all i'll say about that but uh one what's he like what's he he like well he's he's lovely and i get i i tell you what i'm putting my nuts on the line. If Hugo Basson, please don't. If, you, if Hugo Basson, I'm not putting my nuts on the screen. I'm putting them on okay. the line. If if he mm. plays summer league, he will have a 13 point quarter. I was going to say 15. That might be a stretch. So I'm saying that he'll have a 13 point quarter. This guy absolutely lit it up in stretches, and and it like his shot making ability is crazy. I don't care what the percentages say. It, one of the games, the first game I saw live him play live, he just had COVID and he had COVID really bad. He lost, I think he lost up to 10 kilos in two weeks uh, from COVID. And then he went straight from that, played the game. And I was talking to the owner of the team at halftime. And I said, you guys look like you're struggling. And uh, and he said, yeah. He said, I, I just don't think Hugo can, can do anything in this game. He's just lost 10 kilos in the last two weeks. And then in the last... Six minutes of this game, he scored 16 straight points. 
against one of the better teams in the league. He was pulling up from three all over the place. He was driving to the rack. It was it was honestly crazy to see, and he had stretches like that through the season. So defensively, I, I don't know what he projects to be as a professional in general, um, but uh, you know he's he's fun when he when he gets hot. So I bet you he'll do that, and he'll he'll, he'll rope in some Bucks fans at summer league. That's uh, that's my prediction. <laughs> And kind of interesting, I mean, he, I, I looking kind of at like measurements, um, you know, he 6'3", 6'4", in some measurements, but he did go to the draft combine, measured 6'5", and three quarter um, in shoes, six, six foot five and a half wingspan. So negative wingspan guy or, or you know, kind of even wingspan guy. Um, and I, I want to say, do you, do you know if he was in the, Tough scene for Frank. He was about to just ask me a uh, a seriously important question. <laughs> I can I can tell you. I, I don't know whether he was in the uh, whatever Frank was about to say. Uh, do I know that uh, Frank's back? And maybe he's not back. His internet is having some problems here. But I, this is one of the great cliffhangers in the history of Locked On Bucks. His internet is having some problems here. He's just a frozen screen if you're watching on YouTube. So we'll try and push on here for a little bit. Uh, but if Frank doesn't come back, uh, we'll call it a day and we'll call it a draft night. I'll continue working over here in Australia and we'll wrap it up. So it looks like Frank's gone, but that's okay. I can wrap it up from here. Marjan Bochamp at pick 24, Hugo Basson at pick 58. We'll have plenty more time to talk about those two guys. Uh, make sure you jump in the YouTube comments. Let us know uh, what you think. And I'm going to finish this uh, with one of the great tweets that I saw tonight on Twitter. It comes from me. Uh, Jalen Duran not going to Minnesota is a missed opportunity. Duran Duran would be hungry like the wolf. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week.